Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hi, welcome to this episode of Impact the World, where I'm thrilled to be with Kim Skipper Corbin, who I came to know through her work as senior publicist and social media manager for New World Library, who published my book, Energy Speaks, in 2019. But the more I came to know Kim and her wonderful bubbly personality, the more I realized there was more to the story. And the story goes that Kim started a movement which is all detailed at her website, iskip.com, 20 years ago in 1999. And so I said to Kim, this is a fascinating story, it's a fascinating topic, and you have had the typical creator's journey of ups and downs with this mission of yours. So I asked her to come onto the show and talk to me about it. So Kim, thank you for being here. And thanks for having me. So skipping, now I did what you told me is the classic thing when we first started talking about it, because you were explaining to me that you started this skipping movement and I did what you said the BBC had done. Coming from England, I was assuming you meant (laughs) jump rope. Yes. And that you had people all over the world doing jump rope. But I was quite delighted to learn, no, not that skipping at all. You mean literally the childhood playground skipping. Yes. Yeah, like skipping down the yellow brick road. <laughs> yeah. So before you kind of turn this into a thing for the rest of the world, what was your relationship to skipping? Was it something you'd done all your life? No, I actually hadn't skipped since I was a kid um, until I until 1997, so two years before I actually started the skipping movement. And I was out with a couple of friends, and one of them said, let's skip, and he went skipping down the street in front of us. And as I followed, I was so filled with joy and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. This has got to be great exercise. I bet I could get my Burning Man friends to skip with me and organize some skipping events and then the Chronicle could do a story about it and it would go out on the wire and it could start a skipping fitness movement. And I had the whole vision and I wasn't quite ready to implement it yet. I actually tried to recruit a friend of mine to be the skipper and I would be her publicist. Like I just wasn't ready to say yes yet. Um, And then two years later, through another series of amazing synchronicities, I I started skipping again. Basically a coworker, I had tried to go for a run one morning, I'm never gonna be a runner, I dislike running immensely. And I had tried to go for a run and I was telling her just what a frustrating experience it was. And in that same kind of check-in, she told me a story about her four-year-old daughter taking her by the hand at the mall and saying, come on, mommy, let's skip. And she said, and I did it, but I thought, well, this is weird because adults don't skip. And that was the the light bulb went off the second time and it was right when the dot-com world was getting going. My brother helped me build iskip.com. I started organizing happy hour skipping events in San Francisco. The Chronicle found out about it, it went out on the wire. And before I knew it, I was, on the BBC in London and People Magazine, Time Magazine, all the fitness magazines were calling me and I was off and skipping and this amazing, you know, I, I had found my calling and I was willing to follow it anywhere. Amazing. So I have a, I have a question about the vision because you said I had this vision and you the whole thing kind of downloaded for you. 
Was that in that moment of just skipping and following your friend down the street? Was it yes. was it like an epiphany? Yes, that the two year two years before I actually did it, it was an epiphany, and I I could see the whole vision of starting a movement, not even me skipping down the street. So then, when it came time two years later to actually do it, I, and then I had I was like, okay, that means I got to go out tomorrow and skip down the street by myself. Can I do that? And and that was an, an interesting experience. I wasn't so sure. <laughs> so what was it? What was it like when you did? Like, what, what, what were the perhaps the reservations that came up for you when you? Well, did that? it's what most people think. It's like adults don't skip. But people are going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> totally. Like you know, and 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 it really, that's an ingrained thing in all of us, which I find so fascinating because most of us did skip as kids, mm. and it's something along with our wonder and our imagination and our creativity that as we get more serious and become adults and we, we lose sight of that. And skipping is a great uh, metaphor, if nothing else, for that childlike joy, but it also brings it out in your body too. Totally. And it's funny because that's we both are long-term students and people who work in the field of consciousness, spirituality, and it's, it's just a well-known truth that the more we retain the childlike innocence, the childlike qualities, our spirituality flows far more readily and easily. And I also think it's funny, isn't it, how we think things like that are crazy, and yet there are some seriously crazy things in the adult world that we, that we haven't questioned or, or don't think to question. Yes. So, so what was it like when it started to explode? Because it, it kind of happened quite quickly, didn't it? 1999, you launched the whole thing. And what was the trajectory of you launching this vision into the world and suddenly all of these newspapers and uh, TV channels wanting, wanting in on it? How, what was the trajectory, the timeline? It happened really fast. It was probably, I think, June of 99 is when the Chronicle article happened. And then that next six months, it was just amazing. There was no social media yet. And yeah. so what ended up happening was I had this idea that I thought was really going to be new to adults, but actually there was hundreds of people all over the country who'd been skipping for years, much longer than me. And so they started coming forward and saying, hey, I do this too. And I realized that rather than having this be my thing, people would say, oh, you better trademark it. You better trademark iSkip. Mm. You better protect your idea. You know, that's, that's also a conventional wisdom thing about creativity and your creative ideas. And I, I realized when I had met all these people who were skipping way longer than I am that it was going to be more of a collaborative effort and I wanted it to be a movement. And so I started recruiting head skippers and there was like 60 cities where someone was the head skipper. And so all of that happened over, I'd say, like six months to a year was really just an amazing amount of, of publicity and exposure. and. And it was because the internet was just getting going and people were all focused on trying to make a lot of money. Yeah. And I was like, this is about sharing a positive message with the world. You know, I, I was fresh off my first Burning Man. And so I, I just really was like, this, that's what this is. Like, this is what the world needs more. And that was part of the reason that people did the story too. Were there any like tricky sides to that sudden success? Because, I mean, it sounds amazing, right? You have this very holistic, uh, positive impact vision, and lo and behold, very quickly it takes off. So were there any challenges with this, the success or the projection? Or... There were. They came a little later. Right. Uh, because I was able, it was like my, my 
body and my spirit were united in such a way that they had never been united before. And I was, I mean, just skipping through life. It was just amazing. But at the same time, I was skipping, I was doing the classic spiritual bypassing thing without realizing it because yes, the child, inner child has all of our joys and our, our play and our fun and, and our creativity and all those positive things, but it's also the part of us that is wounded and hurt and mm. has fears and insecurities. Well, I didn't pay any attention to that at first. And so I just thought that I had found my calling and I was gonna have this straight shot upward and that life was just gonna be grand from then on out. <laughs> and that's not actually how it went because I had some, you know, I still had insecurities and fear that I wasn't looking at. And it eventually, uh, in the form of a panic attack while I was giving a talk one morning <laughs> to some Ohio salespeople, I decided I was going to sing, oh, what a beautiful morning. And they all just looked at me like I was insane. And I had a panic attack and like all those fears finally came out. So it took a while. I mean, there was a long run there where I was just skipping on sunshine. Yeah. But the long, long tail of the story <laughs> was there's a lot uh, that I needed to, to look at and heal and not mm. just skip past. Mm. So in terms of like, you know, your life story in a way, uh, the, just this is me from the outside, just, you know, kind of looking at it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like any aspect of you that felt like you were different or an outsider was suddenly able to kind of boldly put that out into yes. the world and be embraced. And But of course, the other side of that is, and the reason that we often don't put ourselves out into the world is, is the part of us that, that we all have that's insecure. Am I good enough? What are people going to think? So it's interesting that panic attack culminated for you while you're singing and a load of people are kind of looking at you going, oh, she's crazy, or this yeah. is crazy. And that was at the very end. Like I, I had, um, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but I eventually quit my job. I, my dad would say, Kim, how does the cash register ring? This It's skipping. And I'd say, dad, skipping is free. I found my calling. Right. It, it, if I leap, the net will follow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I left and I basically skipped myself into financial ruin. And that panic attack happened right as... I realized that the book I was writing wasn't going to get sold and like it was starting to kind of crumble. Yeah. And then as it did, all of those things that I'd been skipping past kind of rushed to the surface and and needed my attention. All these things that you've been skipping past. See, it's yeah. great. It's funny how the, <laughs> the language is great. But I'm curious, so financial ruin. Yeah. So first of all, we're just going to back up a little bit because I, I kind of got the gist, but it, what you were doing was organizing like group sk skipping events in cities, there would be what a skip leader, and it would say, "Hey, meet here, and we're going to skip for a set yes. amount of time." Is yeah, we would, well, it was multi. I was mostly doing it locally. Yeah. The my, I in addition doing to doing freelance publicity work, I was also thinking that this book that I was, I had an agent from New. When I was in People Magazine, an agent in New York contacted me, and so that was what I thought that the the revenue model was going mm. to be. But the skipping events were happy hour skips in San Francisco and Sunday skips in the park, and I'd come to different cities sometimes, but they were never um, financially lucrative because right. skipping is free, right. as it should be. Right, of yeah. course. Yeah, <laughs> and I would really always tell my dad that. I'd say, no, I'm not. Skip. He'd say, you need to do a membership model. You need to, because my dad's a, a business guy. And, yeah. and I would say, no, nope, that's not it. That doesn't feel right. Like, skipping is free. And he... He said, "Well, I've never been in People Magazine. I, you know, I, I just am going to watch this unfold." And, and eventually, 
the the rubber met the road and and I had to go back to like a regular job and that sort of thing. So were you <laughs> investing your money to kind of make a lot of this happen? I was living off of my credit cards. That's why where the right. financial ruin part came in. Right. And was there was there any because you know one of the it's a tricky thing money because we know that money is a very tricky area and brings up a lot of stuff for all of us. But it's also true that if you are building something and putting it into the world, um, unless you are completely doing it on a free basis, um, it, it, usually revenue is required to put some of the building blocks. So, so w was anybody ever paying for anything to do with the skipping or was it just you funding the whole it thing? It was me funding the whole thing. But with the basically. idea that the book could be... The book was going to be, and it. which is ironic because I work in publishing and I should know better, <laughs> or I should have known better, that <laughs> authors generally don't live off of their royalty no. statement. But I just, because it was so much national publicity, I mean, I have never gotten that much publicity yeah. for any of my authors. Yeah. It, it was so huge and there was so much momentum that I, and I thought that I was trusting in the divine, you know, which was a, is a slippery slope. Oh boy, I, yeah, I, I stopped really tuning in and listening and my ego that was loving, not having to feel all the insecurities and everything just took over and, and eventually there was a reckoning. Yeah, and I think that is a reckoning that probably most people listening to the show, myself included, many of my contemporaries and friends who do work in a visionary way, learned the hard way. You can't abandon the logic when you're being a visionary. You, sure, you can push the vision for a way, but you know, at a certain point, logic and certain realistic um, building blocks that are needed will start to crumble or hit you in the face. So and I then, think we've all had that crash yeah, that you're talking about. And and it's hard in those times too with the money piece. Like there's like there's a lot of talk about like magic happens outside of our comfort zones and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But the Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing is very real. Mm. And if you don't have that base of support and safety financially to create from, it becomes a lot more challenging to create. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I've worked with entrepreneurs who I've either been mentoring or who've come through any of our programs, I will always advise that you don't uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. which is probably a phrase that I need to update in my brain, <laughs> right? Because it's pretty pretty gruesome. But um, but yeah, just to not not go completely gung ho. Yeah. Again, I did it in an earlier phase of my life. I think we've all done it, and you learn from it. But. That, that to kind of let the universe meet you as well and show you that things are working so that you aren't completely stressed and in a rough place while you're yeah. trying to build something. So what was that like when it all kind of collapsed? So you've been living through the divine vision. Everything's been going really well. You for think a long time. For a long time. <laughs> so yeah, there's that lovely yeah. security that's set in. And tell us about the book. So what was the book going to be? First of all, the book was basically I thought just my story, mm. you know, just uh, um, just the story of me finding my unique calling, and it, it was more memoirish. Um, and when I look back at what I was writing then, now I'm like, thank goodness. Well, I didn't even have the whole book; I just had the proposal I was trying to sell, and I'm so glad it didn't sell because I hadn't even gone through, I was just at the honeymoon phase of the hero's journey, you know, like I had a, I didn't even realize that the dark night of the soul was coming and that it's part of the creative process. And mm -hmm. until I landed at New World Library and I started working on Joseph Campbell books and Bill Plotkin's books and reading all of this literature that's out there that's about that reckoning and coming to terms with it and integrating 
everything with the the fun awakening piece of it. Yeah. I didn't even realize it then. So. so the book couldn't sell. So what 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 did you do then? Like what 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 happened? I can you? remember my parents actually right before it did when we were waiting to hear back from the agent from the from my agent and they said what's what are you going to do? And I said it's not that's not going to happen. I mean, I really thought it wasn't going to happen. Mm. And then I, it didn't happen and I went back and I I started looking for work and it I it was not only had I failed, I had failed very publicly because mm. I had been, you know, new social media, putting it all out there to the world. So it was, it was pretty tough. I got a job um, working for a, an 80-year-old bodybuilder who had reversed his heart disease by lifting weights. <laughs> he also was wow. like probably shooting steroids in the bathroom. It was an interesting comeback job. Um, but when I went to work for him, um, it was health related enough where I could be like, okay, you know, maybe there, there's, this is just the next phase. And in that period, I, I came to realize that my, my calling wasn't necessarily to, to do the skipping thing. It was to say yes to whatever life was bringing me and, and greet it and with grace and find my purpose in, in that. Like I, I, so I, I started shifting my, internal focus to that. Like, how can I say yes to what's in front of me right now? What is, obviously, if this is happening, it's here to teach me something. What What do I need to learn here? How can I positively impact this situation? And how can I say yes to this? Not just yes to, oh, you want me to skip? Great. Wow. <laughs> yes, and be on in national media? Sure. Yeah. But how do you say yes when you're at a job where you're like, I'm not sure if this is even where I'm supposed to be? And, and how do I kind of recalibrate and have the same kind of attitude I had about saying yes to skipping about what was showing up then. It's interesting hearing you say that because there's a couple of things that kind of pinged for me while I was listening to you. And it's, it's the, I think there's this weird societal imprint that we all grew up thinking that like, if you're on national media, if you're successful, that, that that's supposed, that's like a good thing. But actually, as we often see time and time again, how to deal with and look after yourself in those moments is not really handed out in the manual. No. So there is this perception of, oh, well, this level of outer success is happening, so surely I should be happy, taken care of, all of that stuff. It's almost, it's almost kind of written into our society that, that that's kind of what we, what we should aspire to. But I wonder for you too, because I think this was true for me and people I've, I've worked with and met over the years, do you think that some of the heartbreak was that in a way you were proving to people like your parents and other people in your world, spirituality works. Look, it's like the if you follow the divine, it's like, because yeah, I definitely yes, had that yes, in my early 20s. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I really feel like fame is one of the most dangerous drugs that there is. Yeah. And it's really easy to lose sight of, of things just when you're in the throes of that. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of bad stuff happen to people who are very kind of well-known. Yeah. Not just the stuff that we learn publicly, but just a little bit up close, how it distorts your perception. And, and I think it's success or fame have to be held very lightly because both of them will move and shift and go away. And they also can be, they, the shadow sides of those things are quite precarious too. Definitely. So, so you found your way into publicizing again and was pu was publicity just something that you'd always had a passion for or an, a, a kind of a knack for yeah I think I mean I think it's what it's also one of my callings and I and I love 
I love now that I have that calling and that I'm living that and skipping gets to be, it's free, wonderful, doesn't have to support myself. You know, like yeah. that, that both of those exist. Um, after the bodybuilder, uh, well, actually I started getting fired from a lot of jobs. <laughs> the bodybuilder fired me. He, we kind of clashed a lot. And then he fired me like one day when I was getting ready to go home for Christmas break, he just called me in his office with a little Santa hat on and said, you're fired. <laughs> he was yeah. Yeah. And then Merry I worked Christmas. at a, a Curbs for Women. Yeah. For a little while. And then that, like the owner there thought because I had all this publicity that I thought I was this hot shot and I was just trying to make ends meet. And she ended up telling the owner that I lacked enough initiative to be a manager of a curves, which is really funny because there's lots of things you can say about me, but I'm not lacking initiative no, at all. No, yeah, no, and my dad was like, what's going on? My kid keeps getting fired. And, and then I got a job at the Learning Annex in San Francisco and started booking speaking events and that sort of thing, which is a very stressful job. And then the New World Library job opened up. And when it did, it felt like, okay, now this... Not only am I, I don't have to struggle to say yes to this. Like this seems like, oh, this is a, it's not a publicity director position, which I had before, but it's a way that I can be focusing on the skipping movement and my own project and have some creative space. And, and then I got back into publicizing. So for those who don't know New World Library, how would you describe, sum up New World Library as a publishing house? New World Library is, is an amazing place to work. It was founded by Shakti Gawain and Mark Allen 40 years ago when Shakti wrote Creative Visualization. Um, and it, they really walk their talk as far as supporting their employees, the community. Um, every year, we, at the end of the year, we get the, each employee gets a certain amount of our profits to donate to a nonprofit of our choice. I mean, it is just an incredible company that has been helping to shift consciousness on the planet for 40 years and, and really is, is a... People don't leave once they get there. <laughs> yeah. We love working there so much. Yeah, it was interesting. So when we were um, in the proposal stage for my book, um, it, it, we kind of had interactions with several different publishing houses. And the feeling that we had with you guys has just been consistently ever since we were with you. Just there, the, there is... There is a family and a warmth energy that, that is really important to me and my team whenever we're collaborating with anybody. And yet you don't see it very often out there. So yeah. it's, it's, it was kind of really nice to, to feel that. And then of course, the caliber of the books that you've, you guys have published. So that's, that's how we first met. And I remember getting the email from you and it's the sign-off was Kim Skipper Corbin. And I just thought that was your middle name. I was like, yeah. oh, interesting, you know, being yeah. a Brit. It's I'm my, like, it's well, my okay. secret identity sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a book publicist by day and a skipping, skipping superhero by night. Yeah. So you're now in the position of helping support the messages and the work of these many books, many authors. You were amazing with me. You never done so many interviews in my life. Um, but, but what's that, what does that give you? What, 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 what would you say is kind of like a, perhaps what's, I'll put it this way. What's the most surprising takeaway for you in being a publicist for New World Library? I think the, the, uh, the way that I've been guided and, and have learned through the authors that I work with and how the right book shows up for me at the right time about the different things that I personally need to learn, like there's synchronicity happening there all the time. Um, I hosted a podcast for New World for a while and it felt like a graduate level course in this stuff. And like I said, like I hadn't even considered the fact that this dark night of the soul that I was going through was actually a, a regular part of 
doing anything that, that has meaning, you know, like it's something that comes up in the creative process and it's, and it was normal, you know? And so when I landed there and I started working with Bill Plotkin and actually Bill Plotkin, who wrote Soulcraft and Nature and the Human Soul, he was the head skipper in Durango, Colorado oh. when I was doing the skipping movement. So there was these wonderful threads, but I think that just the way that my own um, consciousness journey and spiritual understanding and presence and way of showing up in the world has been transformed as a result of being there and realizing that really it's not just about putting these ideas out into the world. It's like we have to take them out of our heads and really integrate them into our lives and bodies. And that's really important to me. And it's been since the skipping movement, that's been what's important to me. And and the way that New World Library has facilitated that is is probably what has surprised and delighted me the most. That's great. And and it's it's interesting because I'm wondering, twelve years you've been with New World, right? Fourteen, sorry. Yeah. So a lot has changed in fourteen years. What 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 have you noticed that's different in the field of consciousness coming at it from you know your position in the publishing world? What have you noticed in the last fourteen years? The shift. Well, I feel like right now, um, and that and this is what I love about you and your community and your work. It's about coming together and 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 doing and collaborating, more of a collaborative model, but doing it in community and supporting each other in that way and having that show up in our lives. Like, I feel like that's just recently, like that's really shifted well, with what's going on in the world. It's becoming even more important. Mm. And how do we not just understand the ideas? Like when I first read The Power of Now in the late 90s and I was like, oh, watching The Thinker, I can do that, you know, oh, I got, I got this. You know, I just really thought I had it all figured out. But what does it look like when you, to really meditate and, and to live your life that way? And The Power of Now is to this day, one of the biggest books you've ever published. Oh, by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Power of Now, spiritual classic. What would your kind of three favorite or what three spiritual books come to mind for you right now? as powerful, huge game changers for you? The first one was The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Mm. Um, that really, that was in my like mid-20s and it just, it set the pathway for this way of life of always wanting to evolve and grow. And um, it, it was completely mind-blowing. And then Succulent Wild Love by Sark who New World Library has since published, um, or, or Succulent, Succulent Wild Woman, which I read in the late 90s, which was just like this really woke up my creative self that then I later found again at Burning Man, but that kind of like, I like him. Yeah. Succulent Wild Woman. And then New World Library ended up publishing Succulent Wild Love and Glad No Matter What by Susan Sark. Um, so that one for sure. The Artist's Way. Mm. Um, and The Power of Now, yeah. of course, is, yeah. it, I always come back to Eckhart. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, so I'm curious because, you know, we talked, we were talking about skipping earlier and I, I feel like I didn't, I didn't actually ask you enough about the benefits of skipping, which when I went to your website and looked, what are the benefits for us? I mean, it's kind of obvious, I know, but it was interesting when I was reading about it, it kind of hit me. It's like, oh yeah, why, why, don't, why aren't we more aware of this? So what would yeah. you share with us about uh, that? Well, it lifts your heart rate and your spirits mm. um, physically. And that's, it was funny that when the media would interview me, that's all that they really wanted to hear about. 
um, an East study. The heart rate or the spirits? The, the, not the, the, the physical. You know, like, the well, how many physical. calories does it burn? Oh. And how, you know, like, that's really what, which isn't necessarily, isn't really my favorite part of it at all, but it's it's very, pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, there was just a study that was done at East Carolina University that found that they're skipping as fast as they're uh, running, but if you do that, you burn more calories skipping than running. For me, I am not a long distance skipper. I think that the judge of a good skip is how much fun you have from point A to point B. So even if you only go for 10 feet and you have a lot of fun, that's what it's all about for me. It's about lifting your vibration and lifting your spirit. I, I think of it as a dessert exercise. Like I, at the end of my workout at the gym, I put on a song that makes me really happy when there's no one in the workout room and I just skip around and leap and play. Skipping is like an animal frolicking in the field. Yeah. And fight, running is fight or flight. You right. run to get away from things or like, you know, it's, that has, it has this edge to it. And skipping is so playful. It's really fun to do on the treadmill at the gym. So you have serious runners on either side and just have your headphones on and just like, wee. And when I do that, I'll just do a fast walking pace and then blend and skip slowly. It's not something that beginning skippers should do because it takes a little skill to start slowly. So no, um, no lawsuits after yeah, this interview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and my favorite part of it is, is really just the freedom and... Um, even to this day, like I've been skipping for 20 years. I've had this whole like skipping life. And even I have that voice of caution still comes up sometimes mm -hmm. and says like, if I'm going to skip down a busy street, you can't skip. Oh, don't do it. Blah, don't skip here. People are going to annoy people with your joy. People are going to look at you funny. Like this still happens after all these years, but the voice of my heart loves to skip. And as soon as I skip, it's alive and it's present and it's there. And so over the years, I've learned to choose that. It's like a conscious choice to choose the creative voice of spirit over the voice of caution that's saying, oh, you better not do this. And then that translates into other areas of my life as well. When I sit down to write, it's like, uh, you've been trying to write this book for 20 years. I don't think you should even bother. If I can recognize, oh, that's that same voice of caution that's trying to protect my inner child from getting hurt again, but actually when I'm engaged in the creative process and I'm my hands skipping across the page and I'm connecting with this work, that brings me great joy. And if I can choose that consciously, skipping has helped me because of the, the very immediate dialogue that happens each time to recognize those voices and to be able to make a more empowered choice. And that is such a metaphor for the whole of living in the creative process, what you've just shared right there, you know, knowing that you're pushing against an edge, um, but choosing to continue to push against an edge rather than let the edge push you back down and stop you skipping or writing or giving a public speech or whatever it is that's coming up for you. And I love that you bring up, because earlier we talked about people thinking you're crazy, which, you know, is the default for anything that we see that's different. So I was having this lovely visual of you at the gym, skipping in the middle of the <laughs> treadmills. And what I like about that is it breaks us into reality, into the present, because, you know, you're walking past people running on a treadmill and you don't, you don't think twice if you see all these people running. But if there's one in the middle skipping, it's going to, ah, you know, kind of wake us up, shake us up. Yes. But I love that you talked about too much joy because I think that's a real trigger that we don't really talk about enough. I think it does annoy people if, if you are 
too joyous, too friendly. I mean, it's one thing if you're overbearing and imposing on someone else, but I always, I always find it interesting that the presence of someone else's joy in the room can make someone else react without checking, oh, I'm having a reaction, what's underneath this for me, rather than assuming they should just castigate or chastise that person yeah, who yeah. looks happy in the room. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a good clue for you if you're having that reaction, but too often we see it leading people to try and quash that person. Yeah, and, and how much does it hold us back in, in so many moments of that, that dynamic that's there? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm curious because I think there are so many different ways that we can we can bring enlightenment to our life. You know, for one person, it might be the skipping. For another person, it might be something they do that's more metaphysical in nature or physical exercise. What kind of things were you hearing from people inside your skipping? I won't call it your skipping movement, but, you know, when you were organizing these things, what kind of stories did you hear people sharing about what it was doing for them? There's a lot of people that it gave permission to, like that they, they, they thought, okay, if other people are doing this, it's okay for me to do it. And then they that gave them the courage. If it's a, if it's a community that's doing this and I'm part of a community, then I, I can do it as well. There were some people that were that called themselves closet skippers who like, and who like to do it, but they, they don't necessarily want to <laughs> show other people. Um, so what they're doing it like privately at home? Yeah, or? yeah. You don't, not everyone has to, you know, be skipping down the street it's in true. public. You can just skip around your house and, and it's, you can't help but smile when you skip. Like it's an immediate vibration and energy lifter, yeah. you know, like it's, it's, it's such a, it's a fun, such a fun movement. And I like to challenge people to skip at least 10 steps after they right. hear this interview, just like down the hall at work. And it's even more fun if you take someone by the hand or especially a kid in your life. If we can let kids realize, know that we actually have so much to learn from them and say, hey, I haven't skipped for a long time. Will you show me how again? And take them by the hand and, and have that experience with them. It's a, it, it's just really rewarding and it helps them see that they actually have, we have a lot to learn from them as well. Yeah, and also that adults might be a bit more fun than they thought yeah. as well. You know, it's yeah, kind hopefully. of a twofold. I have a friend who teaches roller skating and they've been, they just recently, she was working with adults and kids and she said, the kids are so great, but the adults just, they've forgotten how to just play and be kids. Yeah. And, and it's so easy to lose sight of that with everything that's going on in the world. But I feel like it's even more important now than ever that we enjoy life and, and realize what we're, that's what we're here for. Definitely. You know, like that's, that's the purpose of all of this. Definitely. So, so this show is both audio and video. So a lot of people will just be listening. But before we finish the show, I am, we are going to get on our feet and you're going to do a little <laughs> skipping demo. So if you're, if you're watching, you'll be able to, uh, to see it and we can, we can kind of hopefully encourage some other people to do it too. But before we do come to a little demo of the skipping, what's next for you? and your work in skipping, because I know that it's kind of coming back. You're having a little bit of a skip revival at the moment. Yeah, I am ready to get back in the arena of writing my book again. And it's something, talk about a long journey and something that's been challenging and, and that sort of thing. Like I'm really ready to write about my experience in a way that will hopefully help other people with whatever their unique calling is. Like I love that I was called Skip. Like it's my calling, it's mine to do in this world. I've been doing it for 20 years and I love it. And if that's my thing, like who knows what somebody else's thing might be. So 
I had a friend, or I met a new new friend, and we were talking all about my experience, and she said, well, you know, you have to write this book, because that's what all, all, the only thing we can do as heroes to, that have gone through this journey is to leave breadcrumbs for other people along the way of what we learned. And, and that's really the, the intention that I want to get back to writing from, not... In the early days when I was writing the book that I thought was going to make me <laughs> become my livelihood, I thought I was going to be this motivational speaker and I was going to be, you know, like more of a traditional type of uh, self-help person. And that's not necessarily where I'm coming from now. Like, I, I feel like uh, we're all equal people on this journey of consciousness together and it's not hi a hierarchy and that I want to just write from my personal experience in a way that will hopefully help other people with their experience. Well, that's, that's what's so interesting. You know, we've been focusing what we've talked about really on your topic area, I guess, but that's the only real differentiator in this whole conversation. Like, we could be talking about anything. We could be talking about your passion in any area. And, and the, you know, the breadcrumbs, the nuggets of wisdom that you share, that you have learned and experienced along the way, that's really what, you know, Impact the World is about. It's hopefully to inspire other creators, creatives, to put their thing out into the world. Because God knows there's so many things that any of us who do this work in the world, whether you do it on a public scale, on the internet, or whether it's something you do in your community, we all go through the same fears and doubts. And if there were certain things we could have... Yeah, and, yeah, completely. Yeah. I always think if there were certain things we'd known, it would have saved us time. However, I also think no regrets because it's like that's how we learn, yeah. but it's, it's a fascinating journey. Yes. So you have iskip.com. So that's the website that I could go to and join your newsletter if I wanted to follow what you're doing and stay in touch with the skipping movement that you're behind. And I believe there is going to be a celebration in Austin, Texas next year. Yes, that'll be the fifth annual Austin Skip Fest. Wow. It was called, called the Austin Skipathon, and this is kind of the magic of skipping. Like four years ago, I got a call out of the blue. You know, like nothing had happened for a little while in the skipping movement, and they said we've planned this whole event in Austin. We have all these sponsors, and we realized that we don't have anyone to lead the event, to lead the skip. And so we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a skipping expert out there? We Googled, we found you. And it's just been a match made in heaven. It, it benefits foster kids, foster angels of Central Texas. Mm. Um, this will be our fifth year in 2020 and hundreds of people all skipping together. It's the largest scale skipping event that I've ever been a part of. So it's, wow. it's really exciting and it's for a, a really good cause. That's fantastic. That's next summer. So that would be summer 2020. Yeah, this it's, show... it's usually around late August. We late just August. don't have the dates for okay, it. Okay, so yet. I can probably find, but by the time we publish this show, it will be 2020. So yes. iskip.com is where, is where those details will be. And the book, you're going to basically focus it really on your creative hero's journey in a way. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, the working title is Skipping the Life Fantastic. Mm. And then I'm imagining it to be 10 things I learned about joy, fear, and resilience by inviting the world to skip. Beautiful. The working title. Beautiful. And you've spent 14 years working on other people, helping other people's books yeah. get out into the world. So I'm curious <laughs> because you have a real inside take on a world that many people want to get into. I know I've met many people who want to write their book or publish their book, whether it's self-published or not. What, would, what advice would you give an aspiring first-time author that kind of kind of a what do they need to feel about themselves and what they're creating based on your experience um well the the what do you mean what they need to feel well like well I, a two twofold 
because obviously there's the advice of what makes a good first-time book and what are publishing houses or audiences looking for, which is always a tricky question because I also feel that sometimes your calling is enough to kind of put your thing into the world. But like, what advice would you give someone who's listening to this and wants to write a book, but perhaps is a little on the fence or a little nervous? Given all your time in publishing, I'm just curious if there's any... What, I, what I've, with my own writing project that I've been struggling to get back at it, what I've been remembering lately is advice that Shakti Gawain gave me, which is when she wrote Creative Visualization, she, she wasn't writing it for other people. She wrote for herself first. And I think that that's just as far as starting to get everything down, like writing from that place when you first begin is important. And then I think having community around you as well, because so much of uh, publishing these days is when a book comes out is having a platform is what they say in publishing yeah. and having connections and, and community, but finding a way to kind of be gathering people around you to support that for when the project eventually comes out is important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you. So we are going to do a little bit of skipping. Yeah. Okay. So let's move our chairs back here. Okay. And if you are, if you are listening, I invite you to follow, follow along with the listening instructions here. <laughs> so the first thing when you skip as an adult is it's really easy to go super high and like be really enthusiastic and you'll exhaust yourself really okay. fast. So you want to just kind of like skip low to the ground. Very like... <laughs> it's kind of funny you're, when you do it without moving. I'm kind of like doing it. You have to hop. do step hop, step okay. hop, step hop, step hop. See, <laughs> no, don't worry no. if you're not doing it right. Yeah, it's true. That's the other thing. Is like there, you can't do it wrong. I'm only used to doing it with traveling. This is like on the spot skipping. This is good, and the arms are good. Very good. That's good. And then another good thing to do to conserve your energy is to do like walk to skip to. Okay. So you can do walk to skip. Two. Walk, two, skip, two. And along here so that everybody could come come this way with your demo. I, I, this is oh, that's I'm a good a point. Yes, you are on a leash. <laughs> that's great. And so how, how long would you do this for every day, Kim? Like, do you, if you do this at home, like five, 10 minutes? Well, I do one song in the workout room. Like that's, cool. that's definitely my thing. Also when I'm out in my neighborhood walking around, I'll play games. Like I'll say, I'm in, every time I go past a, a picket fence, I'm gonna skip. Awesome. So I'm not necessarily skipping the whole time, but I'm blending it in where I can and where I'm inspired to. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome and can't wait to see where you go next. And thank you for sharing so much. Thank of your you. Skip on. You have been listening to Impact the World. For more of my work, please visit leeharrisenergy.com. If you are an entrepreneur, creative, healer, or change maker who wants to take your work to the next level in the world, consider joining my Own Your Value online course. Online video and audio plus live calls with me Beginning May 26th and registration closes on June 7th. Visit leeharrisenergy.com or use the links below this video or audio.